for and with Nancy today. And we think of disruption. And even when we think about the message in the series, there are good disruptions, aren't there? In fact, it's not really a disruption when we pray for one another and when we pause to care for the needs of someone around us. And so we think of disruption, and we've been just started this new series called The Disruptor. We see an example of, number one, how even an accident can become a disruptor in your life. Maybe not always a positive one. It could be negative. But there are disruptions in our lives that cause our focus to get maybe off of ourselves and onto other things. Maybe off of ourselves and helping somebody and praying for them who's just been through a disruption. This morning's message is called The Disrupted Savior. The Disruptive Savior. Now, every one of us have had over the last many months, over six months, getting closer to a year, a lot of disruption. We all understand what it means to be disrupted in our lives, in our homes, in our families, in our schools, in our workplaces. Now, there's one community that's been hit pretty hard by the coronavirus, specifically a disruption, and this particular town is in Gustavus, Alaska. One afternoon in late April, a small barge set off from Gustavus, Alaska, en route to the world's most famous Costco warehouse. The 96-foot ship hummed through icy water past vast expanses of wilderness and snow-capped peaks. Seven hours later in Juneau, a few men loaded its deck with $20,000 worth of eggs, flour, canned goods, and produce. Gustavus is remote in any way in that only, uh, only Alaskans could truly grasp how remote this place is. Even today, no roads connect it to any, anything on the outside world. Even in normal times, Gustavus has had an issue getting goods and services over to their little island. But when the town's usual transport methods were disrupted by the global pandemic, its 446 residents found themselves with diminished access to food, to affordable food. And one man, the town grocer, decided that he was going to take matters into his own hands. His name was Poshua Parker. So he weather his weathered wooden store is a lifeline to the community. It's how they get the things that they have because it is the only store in the, in the area. It's called Ice Straight Wholesale, but locals have dubbed it Poshco, a combination of the owner's name and the place that he gets all of his goods to sell to them. Now, during COVID-19, Poshco became critically important for these people. Alaska legislators had cut off ferry service to Gustavus, and quarantine residents were left without an option for affordable groceries. So Toshua loaded a few shipping crates onto his 96-foot barge and began making a weekly seven-hour trip across, to the icy, across the icy strait to the tiny Costco in Alaska's capital. The town's mayor has said he has to tip his hat to this person. Toshua has pretty much saved the town. I really don't know what we would have done without him. When the barge pulled into Gustavus on a recent Wednesday, it was cause for the entire town to celebrate. 
Joshua says, it's like Christmas when the load gets here. Everyone is waiting for it. Word gets out, and they all seem to know when it's coming. See, there's disruption. There are things that are good disruptions. There are things that are bad disruptions in our lives. But we also serve a God where we believe, as Romans 8.28 says, that he is working for the good, everything that happens for his purposes and for those who believe and love him. See, disruption can also lead to shaking up the status quo and bringing out the best in us, like it did for Joshua Parker. Now, one thing we know in Scripture, if you've studied your Scripture and you've read, especially through the Old Testament and even the New Testament, one of the things you'll realize throughout Scripture and throughout biblical history is the Jewish people understood disruption and what it meant to live disrupted lives. Throughout biblical history, we can see the Jewish people were often conquered. They often became subjects of other nations. This became a way of life as they were forced to live under the rule of Egypt and Babylon and Persia and Rome. And even now they deal with a lot of tension and disruption due to the, uh, the people who would like to see Israel wiped off the map. Now through the challenging times as you read throughout scripture, we get to see stories about people who allowed God to disrupt their lives and they became heroes of our faith. Disruption didn't control them. They were used mightily for God's purpose in the middle of the disruption. In the middle of the disruption, God used them powerfully and mighty. They were not hiding. They were not trying to figure things out. They allowed God to use them. We think of Joseph, who was the prince of Egypt. But before that, we see his life was disrupted when his brothers sold him into slavery. That is a life disrupted. We think of Moses leading the people out of Egypt then, the next step, where Moses became, his life became disrupted because he was once a shepherd to sheep, and now he's being asked to shepherd people. We see Joshua, who were taking the Israelites into the promised land. He took the mantle of leadership, which whenever you take that mantle of leadership of any kind, your life is disrupted. We think of the stories of Daniel and the lion's den. He continued to pray, though the governing authorities made it illegal. He lived a disrupted life. We think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thrown into the fire and not being burned. They refused to worship a statue. They disrupted their lives. It was disrupted in this moment when they were thrown into that fire. It was heated seven times hotter than it was prior. Then you think of the story of Esther who went into the king to plead for her people. Now Esther could have just stayed along with the status quo and just kept doing what she had always been doing and she probably would have thought at least that she may have been safe because she was part, she was a queen. She was part of this kingdom. But she chose to be disrupted in order to save many. The list can go on and on forever. <laughs> You could literally go through this word, go through this Bible, and see character after character, person after person, that God disrupted their lives to shake them from that status quo, to be used of him, and they became heroes of our faith. These were people that were in the middle of disruption, that stood up in the middle of that 
for the God that they serve. They stood up for the cause of God. They stood up for the mission that God had called them to. These heroes whose lives, like ours, have been disrupted. You see, when Jesus entered the picture, the Jewish people were being disrupted by the Romans. Many found themselves comfortable in this situation. They, they figured out how to live in this environment, and it wasn't ideal, but they learned to live with it. Some learned how to greatly prosper under the rule of Rome. You think of Herod and tax collectors, and even some of the religious elite. They learned how to play the political game of Rome. But then enters into the scene this Messiah, this Jesus, that was supposed to save his people. He became a disruptor in the midst of the status quo. He got in the middle of their disruption and became the disruptor. You read throughout scripture, in fact, in, in Luke chapter 3, you read of the temptation where Satan brought Jesus through these temptations and Jesus was able to resist each and every one. But then he found himself weak, but it said that he then came out of that moment filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus went into Nazareth, it says, in the power of the Holy Spirit. And he was asked to read a scripture aloud in the synagogue. He declared his own purpose statement here on this day in front of the congregation. The reason that he came and why he came to this earth. Luke chapter 4, verses 14 through 21, I'm going to read to you from the New Living Translation. You can follow along in your own Bibles or your own Bible app if you have that. It says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit, or of the Spirit. And news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And unrolling it, he found the place where it was written. Verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down. The eyes of the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus came to disrupt the status quo. He came to disrupt the religiosity. You might remember where it's, his message basically said that it was no longer okay to look good on the outside while you continue to live like the devil the rest of the week. He called the religious of figures of his day whitewashed tombs. Why? Because they looked great and white on the outside and clean, but inside they were full of death. Inside they were full of evil. Jesus came to disrupt the power structure of his day. He declared a new kingdom coming in power had nothing to do with an earthly kingdom or a political party or Rome or anyone else. He declared that all that consider themselves first 
or more important than other people, we're actually last. And the last, those that think of themselves as lowly, will be first. Or they'll become more important. You see, because Jesus came to seek and save the lost. He came to the lowly. He came to the down and out. He came to the outcast. He came to the diseased. He came to the poor. He came to the orphans. He came for the widows. And yes, he even came for the sinners who recognized their sin and turned to Jesus. Men of influence like Zacchaeus. We went to Zacchaeus' home for dinner. And Zacchaeus said that he was going to give everything back that he had stolen. Or a man like Nicodemus, who was a religious figure of the day that came to Jesus at night to hear about what Jesus would say about this new birth and what that was all about. See, these men turned from their ways and began to serve the people that Jesus served. Jesus disrupted the money changers who were selling for huge profits and using worship of God as a means to gain and build wealth. He disrupted the social barriers between men and women, between the Jews and the Samaritans, between the Jews and the Gentiles. When they tried to lure him into political arguments, should we pay taxes to Caesar or not? He refused to play the game. Whose inscription is this? Caesar's? Then give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and give to God what belongs to God. He took a ragtag group of disciples and made them bold evangelists through the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through them. You see, Jesus brought a lot of disruption in his time to the status quo, to life as usual under Rome, to life as usual in the church, to life as usual in the people. And ultimately, Jesus came and he disrupted sin. Jesus disrupted the chains of sin and provided a way of forgiveness once and for all. He became the sacrifice for our sins in a radical and giving way because he gave himself as a sacrifice. Man, it's a lot easier to give somebody else's money, isn't it? It's a lot easier to give someone else's stuff away. He didn't give someone else's life. He gave his own life so that we could have forgiveness. He came to disrupt the chains and the bonds of sin in our lives. The Bible says in John 3, 16, a very familiar passage to most of you, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. He loves the world. That's you, that's me, that's people who are living in a wrong lifestyle or in a way that he would not approve of. That's those sinners out there. He loved the world, but he gave his son. He disrupted sin for you and me so that we can be forgiven. And what do we do with that forgiveness? How does that change us? How does that shape how we see others, how we speak to others, what we tell others about this Jesus and God that we serve? You see, he changes so that we can be changed 
and formed into the likeness of Jesus so that our lives would never be the same and so that we could share that same thing with others. Right? If God's made such a change in your life, if you're so different than when you were prior to coming to him, if you know the gospel of Jesus Christ can completely turn a life around, then why hold on to that? Why keep that to yourself? Why not share that with someone else who needs to have a changed life? Who needs to experience this God that loved them so much that he sent his son? So much that he came to disrupt the bondage of sin in their lives? You see, Jesus died for us and he also rose from the grave. Unlike every other religious figure and political figure, there is no occupied grave. We cannot go see Jesus. We cannot go see his body or his bones. He's gone. He rose from the dead. He is not there because he has risen from the grave to new life so that we can also be risen to new life. And some of us may need to experience that new life again. Why? Because with everything that we've been facing and COVID and all these things that we've been going through, we can come, become complacent, we can keep to ourselves, we can hide ourselves away, we can forget about God's goodness, we can become depressed, not reaching out to others or spending time with others. We need to be filled again. We need to experience that life anew once again. We need to experience that excitement that God brings when a life is changed. You see, we're Christ followers. The gospel of Jesus Christ should disrupt our lives. We shouldn't accept Christ and continue living like we always have. There should be something that is different about each one of us. And sometimes we need a reminder of what God has done so that we can get that new life back in, so we can get that second wind, so we can get that refilling of the Holy Spirit bubbling up in us. It should take us beyond where we are. It should take us beyond the status quo. It should shake our foundations. We should be allowing this worldwide disruption to disrupt our thinking. It should challenge us. It should challenge us to live disrupted lives, disrupted by the gospel of Jesus Christ. I said it last week, I think we've forgotten about the power of the gospel, about the power of his word, about the way that it changes lives. The gospel is very powerful to save. Is it easy? No. Jesus never promises that it will be easy. He never promises that it would be easy to share your faith. He never promises that you'll never have bad things happen. He never promises that, man, if something bad has happened, you surely must be repenting of something because you must be doing something wrong. There are going to be moments where things happen that have nothing to do with your sin. It's not going to be easy. But you know what he said? What did he say to his disciples before he went into the heavens? I will be with you 
You are never alone. Ever alone. Will it be easy? No. But will it impact people for eternity? Which is what we're supposed to be about. Yes. That is why it's so critical. And I believe that God is trying to wake up his church to use this disruption to disrupt us. To make us uncomfortable. So that we begin to seek him and his kingdom, not our kingdom. Not our political power. But his kingdom. And as his followers, we should have, and we've lost this, a prophetic voice. A prophetic voice for our time. What does that prophetic voice need to be declaring? Proclaiming the good news to the poor. That's what Jesus said he came to do. I came to proclaim good news to the poor. Proclaiming freedom for the prisoner. Whether that be a physical prison, whether that be a mental prison, whether that be some other kind of prison, an addiction. Proclaiming freedom. Proclaiming freedom to those that find themselves in bondage. And recovery of sight for the blind. Physical blindness, yes. Spiritual blindness, yes. Both. To believe God that he can open up blind eyes to people who have blinders on that can't see the truth, but it can also physically heal an eye that is blind. Recovery of sight for the blind, that's healing. We believe in healing. That God still heals today in the same way he did back then. That hasn't changed. To set the oppressed free. See, justice isn't a political cause. Justice is a biblical cause. Let justice roll on like a river. Because when justice happens, God is glorified. Proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor. So many curses have been put on 2020. (laughs) Can it just be over? Can we just move on to 2021? But maybe this is the moment that God is calling his church to proclaim that this is the year of the Lord. That he is trying to do something in us so that we can affect change in our world, in our nation, in our community. Proclaiming the the year of the Lord's favor, that prophetic voice. So often we have shrunk back, afraid of offending people. But the gospel is by nature offensive to some. It's even foolish to some. They just can't understand it. 1 Corinthians 1.18, Paul says this. He says, the message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But for we who are being saved know It is the very power of God. See, we should not get too comfortable in the disruption. I can say one thing. I've become a little more comfortable with wearing this. It's not my favorite thing to do. But it's starting to get a little more comfortable because you just kind of get used to it. We can't get so comfortable in 
this destructive time that it just becomes back to normal, back to status quo, back to just putting on the mask. And if I could even say taking the mask down while you're in church, and I'm not talking about the physical mask. I'm talking about what's going on in you. The things that you hide behind. get too comfortable in this disruption. We should be allowing the Holy Spirit to use us, to fill us, to work in and through us. See, because by preaching Christ, we dis- disrupt the power of sin in people's lives. We defeat the enemy. We disrupt the status quo in our churches. What I want to share with you this morning, and my challenge to you this morning, is to allow God to disrupt your life today and make you a disruptor of his kingdom. You may be here in this room. You may be listening online. And you may need God to disrupt your life today. You may need that pattern of sin or the sin in your life disrupted. I say to you this morning that Jesus Christ came to conquer and disrupt sin by dying on a cross as a sacrifice for your sins and mine so that we can be forgiven, so that we can have a new start in life. That is the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why we call it good news. With all the negative and bad news out there, do we need some more good news? Do we need people to know that there's something out there that when they give their lives to it, can completely change the trajectory of their lives. If you would like to take the first step this morning toward giving your life to Christ, would you pray with me now? With every head bowed and every eye closed, you can pray this quietly to yourself. Or if you want to pray it out loud, feel free to do that as well. Lord Jesus, come into my life today and forgive me of my sins. Disrupt my life for your purposes. Make me new. Give me a heart that is disrupted in a good way by your love for me. Today, I give my life to you. Today, I give it all. Come into my life and change it. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to encourage you in the next step. There's an app that you can get on your phone called YouVersion. It's a free app spelled Y-O-U-Version. And if you look in the Bible plans, you'll find something called Next Steps in Following Jesus. We call ourselves Christ followers, and we want to be able to know what it means to follow him. And so that would be a next step for you to take the time to walk through that plan to see what your next steps need to be. I want to encourage you, if you're local here and you feel comfortable coming in, our church is open on Sundays at 10 a.m. If you live somewhere else, I want to encourage you to find a good church in your area that you can attend and be a part of. Everyone just stand this morning as we say this scripture passage, and I think this is our, our challenge for the week, our challenge from God's word, and our challenge that Jesus spoke when he first said what he was, came here to do. We're going to do it a little bit differently this morning. I'm going to ask you to repeat this because I want it to internalize a little bit with you this week. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. 
for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Amen. This week, go in the power of the Holy Spirit and become a disruptor for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. God bless you. Have a great week.